Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today is one of those things that um, by instruction and design is supposed to be brought to remembrance always to the church. As the Bible says in Peter, wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, even though you know them and you are established in the present truth. The key word there is negligence, that it is negligence on my part not to remind you, to put to remembrance some issues pertaining the gospel. It doesn't matter how much we evolve. It doesn't matter how far and deep we dig for you every Thursday, every Sunday. From a receiver's point of view, I know and I believe that you're blessed. And that's a good thing. But from our side of things, it's not always to give you what we think is right for you. But rather, we spend time waiting on God to make sure that we receive the instruction for you of that specific season. So this is one of those things that we are constantly going to put you in remembrance of, even though you know them. And as long as you're in the faith, be comfortable to be reminded. I shared a story. My father, every time he was counseling me, us, when you messed up, when you did something wrong, my father always had a story. Still today, still has a story, he repeats. Now, some of you have parents who are exactly like that. So, when you do some wrong, it starts by, you see, <laughs> when you hear, you see, and then he looks in some angle fitter like that, and does like, then you know you're in for. In fact, he repeated that story so much that I got to a point where when he started speaking it, like I would know what's next. Uh-huh. You've been there? Then they keep repeating. And then I get to a point where I'm bored. This guy is speaking things that I know all over and over and over. And then God tells me, very humbling word one done said, I would not let him repeat it if you had understood it. Hmm? I would not let him repeat it if you had understood it. From that day, I became so humble on my father's <laughs> repeated words. Sometimes he repeats. And it's interesting, when I started to understand him, some parts in the story, he didn't repeat, but the story is still repeated. But there are parts there that you no longer what? Adds on. Praise the Lord. So it is with God dealing with us. They never get tired of reproof, correction, instruction. Because perhaps there are things your spirit has not yet what? understood. And it's okay because the journey of Christianity 
nobody's born again today and tomorrow. They're everything. 360. No, we're all a work in progress. You understand what I'm saying? We all have our journey and God is dealing with us. That's why you come every Sunday, every Thursday. Don't sit in the presence because there's something that changes every time you're seated in the what? In the presence of God. Today, I came to remind us of what we all call the Great Commission. You see? The Great Commission. Why do we call it the Great Commission? Because if there's this instruction God gave all of us, as is written in Mark, the 16th chapter, the 15th verse, I want all of us to read. One, two, three, let's go. And he said unto them, uh-huh. Read it again. Read it again. He told us to go into the whole world and preach. That was not for that special man of God that is preaching to you every Sunday. That was not for the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher. That is a mandate for everybody listening to me right now. That is a mandate for every believer in Jesus Christ. He told us to go into the whole world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's a huge one. Are you following what I'm saying? I'll tell you why he told us so. One time I was in Malaysia teaching a group of leaders and uh, they were discussing a fundamental question in that part of the world because they were not seeing many souls coming to Jesus. They were not seeing many decisions for Christ in the church. And it's a bigger challenge when you travel to Europe, especially, that a man can preach for one year, two years, and they've not seen one soul come to Jesus. It happens in some parts of the world. And so we were discussing, you know, some of the principles that are relevant in reaching the lost. And uh, I try to give them a certain revelation not only in the why we do it, because for them it was evident that they knew uh, the mandate, they understood uh, the intensity fundamentally to them was how. And I told them, look, the scriptures are clear that the harvest is plenteous and the laborers are few. I want you to look at every unborn again individual or a believer who is backslidden, look at them in two ways. One which has not received Christ and one which is backslidden. I want you to look at all of those people as a harvest. Now, if you understand basic agriculture, you should know the difference between seed time and what? Harvest. You're not sowing. They are not a sowing, they are a harvest. Harvest means that there's already a work done by God toward these people, either for their salvation or restoration. 
for those who are following. Look at every person as a harvest. One, you will not judge them because you'll see the work of God even in their most fallen what? Status. But number two as well, you'll understand the work of a farmer in planting is not the same work of a farmer in harvest. It is easier to harvest than it is to what? To plant. You agree? You must look at everyone as a harvest. And this is the prayer. He says, but pray, therefore, that the Lord of the world, the harvest, send forth laborers into his word, his harvest. What is the most pressing need of the kingdom? The biggest need of the kingdom is what? Laborers. Not harvest. The harvest is plenteous. Look at it from that perspective. That they are more ready than you think. So, ultimately, the question usually goes to which laborer is for which harvest. So, what do you keep doing? You keep going to these people. Perhaps you are the right laborer for that particular harvest. I believe that there is a man for every individual to be one in the kingdom that has the grace. You see, you might preach to your husband four years and the guy refuses. And then tomorrow his friend at work just takes him for tea and the man returns back what? Boon again. You see what I'm saying? You might preach to your child and they fail. You show them all the revelation and they refuse. And then one day they come to Faner and you see them walking. It's okay. The issue is, you must understand your part that what the kingdom of God is lacking most are laborers. The harvest is plenteous. So the prayer was, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send forth laborers. We almost now understand that the challenge was that God is looking for more people to avail themselves for his harvest. That's our biggest challenge. And in the world today, of course, a lot has happened. Even the tectonic plates have become unpredictable. We cannot tell the changes of time. Human beings are changing. The consciousnesses are what? Shifting. And then we are dealing with the horrors of modernism. Postmodernism, rationalization, existentialism, naturalism, humanism, every ism that you know. And these are human ideas, philosophically, trying to define a world without God, but in their own sense, in the power of that language becoming God. Becoming God. And more than ever in human history, the world is drawing far and far away from God than we've ever seen before. You can see it in the schools, especially for those of you who are living in developed nations, Europe, United States of America and the like. You can see it in our workplaces, you can see it 
in our politics every day. We have more and more atheists coming up. Gnostics, pantheists, and pantheism has gone to the next level. What is pantheism? The belief in many gods. Eh? They always say, uh, all the gods are the same. There's only one God. You know, so they sort of collectively say, whether you believe in Buddha or, you know, this or that, they're all one God. And that's the impression. But that is not what? True. And especially it has come into the yogic teachings. A new age really has thrown these things on us. You find a Christian and they tell you, I do yoga. And you're like, do you actually understand yoga? Kundalini. Serpent's energy. People are activating their chakras and the pranas. They are connecting to inner energies. Those things are not for born again believers. You find a believer following a guru. <laughs> That's not for you. That's not for you. It only means you have not yet understood what you have here. The Bible says, these words are life to them that find them and health to all their bodies. The word became flesh. You must understand what you have. Because we don't know what we have, we're looking for the options outside. Schools of thoughts and conspiracy theories are bombarding our brains in the age of information overload. It's almost as though our generation now, sadly, I was sharing with a few points, I said that now we're in a generation that does not think. We're in a generation that they think for. Everything they want to put on their head to control, they just throw it at us and we just take it. Because it's not a generation of thinkers. You see? So that's unfortunately the world that you and I find ourselves in. Parents every day are in pain. I meet them. I pray with them. The concerns that they have for their children. One time I read an article in the United Kingdom. Was it about 78% of the young people below the age 30 in the United Kingdom don't believe there is a God? You see what I'm saying? And the danger of atheism that comes with it because they cannot answer the fundamental questions. Because if you cannot find a God. So what is the meaning of life? Life becomes what? Meaningless. Because there is no purpose where there is no author. And if life is meaningless, then there is no moral law because there is no giver of that moral law. You cannot say that you believe in a moral law when you cannot define who the giver of that moral law is or else then morality becomes a relative conversation. That's where relativism comes from. Your truth is not necessarily my truth. You might think this is true and I might also think this is true. Respect my truth and I'll respect your truth. And that's not how truth works. You understand what I'm saying? Because black is black. Whether you see it as pink or what, black stays black. And so the further we are in that conversation, the more we see that people don't even know what it means to be human. The image of God is convoluted in their minds. They don't even know who they are. So there's no purpose in life. And it's so funny. 
if they don't get to a place of meaninglessness, which is a source of suicides and what, why you see a lot of suicide rates in some of our nations, then they go in a vortex of deceived liberty. Because in the church, they were telling you, don't steal. And so in the confusion of your new age interpretation of life, you'd feel that without meaning of life and a God or moral law, therefore, stealing for me is no longer a problem because I'm free to be and do what I want to do. Is this the danger of such a world? And that's why I feel sorry for atheists because they don't see where they're taking the world. If I have no moral law, what's wrong with a man walking into a room and raping a child? Oh no, that's so wrong. So you ask them, so also, who told you that it's wrong? It's just wrong. No, 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 no. Who told you that it's wrong? Unless you're saying God doesn't exist, that means now you are the author of your own moral law. So then allow me to also author mine. So what happens to a world where everyone has their own definition of morality? He can punch you and it's not wrong, according to me. Because there is no moral giver. You see what I'm saying? To toy with morality, yet not believe in God, I think is the biggest lie. Because every law like we know it in human history, it began with God. And they cannot argue. If they go a few months, a few years, a few decades back, they'll find it was already chiseled. Are you following what I'm saying? So now, the options in the world are disconnecting us from God. And now our generation cannot answer the harder sentences. You'll find somebody saying, oh, you know, me, I don't believe in God because the author of evil. Why do people fall sick? Why do people die? Why do innocent people what? Die. You see what I'm saying? And the same person, fundamentally, should be asked the same question. That if you live in a nation where you believe that a woman has the right, it's her fundamental right to remove that child if she doesn't want that child. You understand? She has right to take out a life out of her body because she's not comfortable. It is within her body. Yet the same woman is judging God for people dying. So if he's the author of life, and I think the bigger narrative here is that at least for him, he's able to give life where he has taken. But for you, the life you've taken, you are not able to what? To give back. Yet you have the moral authority of judging God. So you see the same nations that are becoming atheistic and the same nation passing abortion laws. You see what I'm saying? When you think about it, it becomes what? Crazy. But those are philosophical things. Those are for those who want to have that conversation from that direction. But back to this. The harder truth is that the world has never been as dark as it is right now. And all of you can agree. Born in the 80s, sometimes I look at the 90s and I find them strange. The 90 kids. And the kids born in the 90s, find the kids born in the 2000s also strange. You get it? Now, the kids born in the 2000s also probably are going to find the next generation also what? Stranger. Even as our parents found us what? Strange. Why? Consciousnesses are shifting. 
I remember in the early 90s, those of us who still remember our old televisions, there was only one television station in Uganda. You what? UTV. Some of us lived in a generation where TVs didn't have remotes. You understand what I'm saying? You walk on that Panasonic and pa, 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 pa. Then you fine tune. During that time, TV used to get off at about 10 p.m. Then they put on this, ooh, red lines, yellow, blue lines, ooh. They're telling you sleep. You need some sleep. We're not talking about the boxes you have in your house. I mean, some of you kids don't even get what we're talking about. <laughs> Only the 80s, 90s, 70s, they're the ones who understand what? You understand? My goodness, you're watching a movie and somebody pecks someone, just a peck, and your father tells you, go to the bedroom. <laughs> a peck! This chorale used to come on at night. Who remembers this chorale? And then a woman sings and shares a short skirt. You know, it's time to sleep, eh? Just because somebody put on a what? My goodness, the things these kids watch. Almost every show now on Netflix, for example, those of you who have access to Netflix, you must have some boy kissing a boy and some girl kissing now, eh? <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? The things that we used to find strange in this generation, they're what? Consciousnesses are what? Shifting at a speed that we're not able to. And so is lawlessness. And so is drug and substance abuse. And so is broken marriages. And so is wickedness. And so is corruption. And so is early deaths. And so is disease. And so is everything else. Some time ago, I preached a sermon called Strange to Proper. That one was directed to Christians because some people are strange. And I never understood the intensity of that conviction until recently I was reading the news and they said 14 million Ugandans out of the 48 million are mentally disturbed. I said, okay. <laughs> this is what we've been dealing with. 14 million, 29, 30% of Ugandans are not okay. Some are men of God. <laughs> and they see the spirit. Some are inquirers. Some are intercessors. Some are prophets. The Lord showed me. When I read that thing, I started to look around. I did some audits. I said, eh. So I said, I think maybe some are not even yet diagnosed yet. Now you see the challenge we face in Fanero. You preach one thing. And one of those guys is in the church. Yeah? And then he goes out and misrepresents the what? The gospel. And then they say, Fanero people. No. It is simple. The fact that we have many people, chances are. <laughs> eh? Those of you who did physics understand what I'm saying. So if you round off to the nearest what? you sort of find some. <laughs> but they are going to be free in Jesus' name. 
<laughs> but I think the seriousness, if it is so, then we need to pray for our country. Jokes aside, we need to pray for our country. And it's bigger in some nations. But I can attest to this, that this is connected to the demonic operation taking place in the world. Because I'll tell you, parents, they are bringing you young children on bipolar, schizophrenia, speech fascinating disorders. Back in the days when we were growing up, you hardly found a kid who had a mental issue. It was rare. In the village, you had one. Now, my goodness, almost all of us know two, three, four, five kids who are not okay. Kids are becoming autistic every day. Yeah, blame everything, but there's something in the spiritual happening and it's disturbing kids. The world is becoming funny every other day. I hope I'm making some sense with you here. Some of you, even the way your child goes to school, you can tell there's something wrong with the boy. He comes back different. The boy is talking different. He's disconnected and you're asking what's wrong with my kid. Those are demons. You scientifize it all you want if that word exists. But we cannot have our children like that in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. <laughs> but it's also because predominantly we have forgotten our mandate. We are forgetting our mandate. And because we're in this kind of world, it's almost as though that people become more and more selfish. We're in a world that is taking. When I sit down in counseling to listen to couples, I see that the problem that is cropping up mostly now, even in relationships, in every aspect of life, is selfishness. People are selfish. People are selfish. Husbands are selfish. Wives are selfish. Children are selfish. Your workplace people are selfish. Our politicians are selfish. You understand? Leaders on all levels are selfish. Eh? Why? Because that's the state that's without God. Even when people come to church, they come with a selfish attitude. They come to take. You understand what I'm saying? Somebody never sits down to say, but what am I giving for the gospel? We are always in a state of what? Taking. Ha! And younger, there's a man, if he lays his hand on you, everything of yours will change. Brother, let's go. Ha! Some of you, you have like 17 prophets in your life. If we opened your WhatsApp page, you have like seven prophecies from all the men of God you've built around you. Why? Because you're taking anything, everything that should come to help you get out of that issue. They come with that attitude. I need a job. Let me go and pray. I need a car. Let me go and pray. I need a wife. Let me go and pray. I need this. Let me go and pray. And that's all okay. It's your inheritance. It's given to you like healing is a children's bread. It wouldn't be wrong for you to bring a sick person to church because... This is why they should get healed. Agreed. Granted. But then here is the challenge, ultimately, that many of our people, especially the younger generation, they don't understand the concept of serving God. They don't understand the concept of giving to the gospel. That is why we've also now carried another group of ministers that have also evolved in the art of robbing, manipulating people to take away from them because also they are takers. You get my point? Now they have to rob the other ones because even they are not givers. So if they're not a giver, what do you do? You find out of what? Manipulating them. Then you hear somebody say something like, there are 100 people here 
I'm not forcing you. Bishop, God has told me you have shokoro goro 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 goro. Thank you, Jesus. Now his heart is telling him, don't do it. Don't do it, man of God. And then they start telling him, but no, they are not giving, they are taking. You understand? Each one of you has a thousand dollars. Come and stand here. I'm not forcing you. There's one who used to say, Simakaka. If you're not tired of poverty, don't come. <laughs> 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 watch this a hundred watch their lives fire, 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 fire poo, 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 poo. have you noticed that people who usually do that I'm sorry usually have very broke church members <laughs> because the man is not giving from the heart is giving from the pressure. You see what I'm saying? The Bible says if a man should give, let your heart be made up in the giving. One time I was in some lunch hour in Kampala, many years ago, and a man said, ha, Sarah Baba, who has a passport in this room? People put up. Then he said, all of you come with 100,000 tomorrow. You want to move, you want to travel. Everyone with a passport. Out of curiosity, I came back the next lunch hour to see. <laughs> People carried passports. And I'm sure if somebody was in that lunch hour now, I'm sure some of those passports expired. And now they are buying these new ones with chips. You see what I'm saying? Man of God. It's not the destiny of everyone to travel. Who told you that everyone needs to go to America to make wealth? I know women here who have made wealth in Uganda. Men who have made wealth in Uganda. And they go abroad just for a holiday. Are you following what I'm saying? Those things are not spirit-led. And that's the truth. They're not. Because when you go in scripture, you don't see Jesus doing like that. You don't see Paul saying, now we want 17 people. No, 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 no. But you see, if it's a generation also, that also knows how to what? There's a lady who came to me. Now she's in this church. She went to a man of God and she said she wanted to do business. So the man of God tells her, bring your capital tomorrow and I pray for you. <laughs> so she went with her, all her capital. Then she put it on the table. The man says, then he got his half capital, put it in his jaw and said, come on, God bless you. <laughs> God bless you. She's like, you can go now. <laughs> Somebody's on fire. I've not mentioned a church or a pastor. Don't land me in trouble. You know, you might be among the 14 million. And then you go and mention that you said pastor so and so. No, that's not me. I've never mentioned a pastor or a ministry in this altar. I don't do that. But from an apostolic perspective, we find that we must have a conversation on these things. Why? I know a woman who lost everything. I know another one who gave away that money and her husband had told her to keep it for building. 
pastor told them in three weeks, you'll have a triple miracle. And the fool carried that money without asking the husband. The pastor took it, first week, second week, third week, there was no what? And the husband was returning. She actually first went back to the pastor and asked, but I don't see a miracle. My husband is coming back. The man asked her, did you give it to me or God? You go and ask God. She went and hung herself. This man came back to bury his wife. You understand what I'm saying? So some of the things I'm telling you are real. That's where the world is going, unfortunately. That's how people also come to the men of God. That's how also the men of God have also. So it's a taking, it's a transactional thing. That's why there are ministries. If you can't meet the man of God, if you don't pay certain money, certain amount of money, you have to pay to meet the prophet. You don't just come in the house and no, 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 no. You have to pay some amount of money to meet the what? Managa. Now it, the church is transactional. Hey, I want you to preach here. I know a pastor, somebody submitted to our ministry. They invited a great minister in the city. And the great minister said, I can only leave my church for two million shillings on a Sunday. If you want me to come and preach at your church, two million shillings. If you pay cash, I'll leave my Sunday. Now imagine if they pay that money and then he calls one of his assistant pastors, Pastor Brand, the Lord has chosen you to preach <laughs> on Sunday. So ba 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 ba. And those guys are not shy. They even tell the person and make sure you collect some money. <laughs> you get where I'm coming from. So some of you are coming from that world. Translated. They robbed you. Eh? Now even when you come to church, you hold your... <laughs> People sit in church with bags like this. Eh, eh, fire. Somebody shout hallelujah. And I'm saying you can't blame governments for corruption. You can't blame people for being dead. The gospel is not being preached as it should. I tell people the church, we the church should take ownership of every madness you see in the world. Stop blaming politicians for being what they are. We had the opportunity to teach them Jesus. And at the point when we had to, we transacted. Stop blaming politicians for fighting each other. How much war is in the church of born-again believers? And these are the same men who are saying they want to reconcile political parties. You can't. You're already divided in your own selves. You see what I'm saying? It's not possible. But it goes back to the Great Commission. We even need to go back to understand really what salvation is because some people don't see. I went one day, I just got this instruction on an altar somewhere in McCurry. And I said that there are people here who are speaking tongues that are not from God because they received not the Spirit of God. And I said, Holy Spirit, reveal them. And demons started manifesting out of people. There. Do you know some people are not even speaking real tongues? They're just blabbing. They carry no witness. Yes, Paul spoke. He says if they preach a Jesus that we never preached, if you receive a spirit that was never given, it is possible. If you listen to a gospel that we didn't give you, those you will bear. It means we are also having certain things today in the church that we have no answers for. And it's also wisdom to cover and know what to say and what not to see because we need to protect the bigger picture of the gospel. Somebody shout hallelujah. But 
all of you were sent in the world. And perhaps the madness we see in the world is because there are many people here who are not doing their parts. I'm not saying criticize. But no, no, no. I don't believe in that. If you know Fenero culture, we don't fight ministries. We don't attack men of God. That's not who we are. We don't do that. This altar is so, 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 so pure of that. We don't have those things of now I'm going to attack this guy. For what? You see what I'm saying? It's a certain place of wisdom not to. So I'm not telling you to go out sniffing what's the rotten egg. When you've not laid any hairs, tell people, you know, they're poor. Just, just so good at sniffing which egg is rotten, which one is not. Yet you can't lay one. Uh-uh. Don't go around criticizing. Yeah, tell people it's the truth. You're telling people, oh, my father built a bad house. You don't have your own. Some of you, you first built, and then let people compare and say, hey, Bambi, you built better. But some of you have not even built. But you're saying, but daddy has a bad house. <laughs> the chairs. Have you bought any? Hush. Keep quiet on your father's TV set until the day you buy what? Bet. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And I tell people that the wisdom of God has variable dimensions. And if it's a conversation we would have, some would have generally and some in a master class. But the wisdom of God has variable dimensions. That is why Solomon, in all the wisdom he was given, he actually divided Israel. Yet it was wisdom from God. That is why Ahithophel, with all his wisdom, the Bible says it was the counsel of God, he actually went with Absalom against God's chosen vessel. That's why Paul, in all his wisdom, taught under Gamaliel, he says that I excelled and was ahead of all my brethren. I was the smartest kid in that time. But in all his smartness, he was actually persecuting the church of God and wasting it. So wisdoms have dimensions. They vary. Certain wisdoms qualify for other things. There are places you can speak and there are places you might not speak because you don't carry enough wisdom. Not information. Wisdom. The churning of those experiences. The reconciliation of the judgments of God to understand what God is saying in the matter. That's why David says that I do not behave with a haughty heart, neither do I exercise myself in matters that are higher than I. It's great humility and wisdom to know the places you cannot judge. And it's okay not to know everything because it's also wisdom not to know certain things. It was in that false wisdom that Satan treaded with Adam and Eve. The knowledge of good and evil. That's why man is fallen. That they sought for wisdoms that they were not supposed to reach out for because it was not for them. When they ate that tree, lo and behold, death came. Some things God will save you from to save you because you don't need to know everything. You know, there are people who want to know everything. Even when they find you in a conversation, they say, uh -huh, who? <laughs> Let some things go. Mm-mm. Let them go. Yes. You found them in the middle of that conversation. There's a reason why God didn't want you in. But there are people, uh -huh, who are you saying? Who has killed you? The people were like that. They cannot miss any conversation in heaven, hell, or earth. Even if your phone is there, they'll want to check who you're talking to and why. Some people are too much. They eavesdrop. Even in a restaurant, they're eating, but they're hearing the next conversation. Yes, this person. 
Why are they laughing? They had somebody talk like four tables. Be free in Jesus' name. <laughs> and the Bible speaks of the brightness of your star. I've taught about how to fix your style. Some of you have that teaching. But you see, there are many things that illuminate you in the spirit. And it's important to have a certain light in the spiritual. But the Bible says, Paul, we know. Jesus, we know. Why? They are identified by their flame, by their frequency, their influence in the spiritual. And I tell people, this light will take you far. Oh yeah, he says, let your light so shine in the world that men may observe the good works of God and give glory to your Father which is in heaven. What does it mean to make your light shine? It's an important thing. Until you understand how many things you'll have influence over, how many things you're able to change, how many things are tuned for purpose, for the course of the heart of God to be revealed through you, until you understand that. Because again, if you're from a taker's perspective, you'll only understand how much favor do I need for me to get my next contract of $2 million. That's how you think. But if you go into a bigger conversation, a higher calling in God and understand what that looks like, you'll be amazed at what God will do on your life as a minister. And I have deliberated in this ministry that every Fanero member is a minister. Okay? You might not be on the pulpit like me. You might be in your workplace, wherever you're working, but you go as a minister of God. You understand what I'm saying? That's the mindset we have here. So when I say minister, stay behind. You better all stay. But when I say committee members only, then go home and leave the committee members to what? In Fanero, when you say minister, stay behind. You better all stay. Because in Fanero, it's culture. We are all ministers. You don't need to be playing a piano. You don't need to be holding a camera. You don't need to be in security or ushering. But you are a what? A minister. Thank you, Lord. Because your light must what? Must shine. Are you following what I'm saying? So in light to the things that illuminate you in the spirit, that will position you for greatness, the seed of greatness comes through that illumination. It is planted in your heart, but nothing germinates it. Nothing translates it. Nothing interprets it like the light on your spirit. One of the things to light you up is prayer. You, when you look at Moses, you remember the time he goes 40 days away in prayer. What happens? The Bible says he comes back with a radiant face. Why? Because this was a man who knew how to dwell in the presence of God. Again, there is an art there how to really dwell in the presence of God. For example, just go there and sit. I'm in the presence. You understand? No, that's not what we're talking about. You must understand, why do you think the Bible says the high priests went in the Holy of Holies every year? But what was the word spoken? They go there to serve. The Bible said the high priest went in the Holy of Holies to serve. So you must understand how service works in the deepest presence of God. Some of it is waiting, some of it is yielding because it pacifies the other offense. Not the offenses of I stole a chicken and I lied to my sister yesterday that I was going to come and I didn't come. I'm talking about the higher offenses that only the mature can understand. 
Somebody shout hallelujah. You exercise the scripture says in all knowledge and judgment that we might have no offense. This is not, you know, some of you say, oh, you know, I'm offended. Da, 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 da. No, 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 no. Philippians 1.9. This I pray that your love may abound yet more in knowledge and in all judgment that you may approve all things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. What kind of offense are we talking about there? We're not just talking about, I talked this, I did this to my brother, I did, no, 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 that's something even anybody in the world can interpret. But there are offenses that are higher depending on how much God has given you. To whom much is given, much is what is required. Much is required. Much is required. Has everybody been killed for refusing to circumcise their child? No. But Moses was going to die. He was going to die. <laughs> it was Zippor, I think, who saved him. You see what I'm saying? To whom much is given. To whom much is given. And as I continue sharing, you'll understand a bit more on that. But prayer is one of those things that will illuminate you. That's why Moses comes back with the radiant face. The people see it, for him and see it, but he is. Jesus, you see him shining one time on the mountain. Transfiguration. Prayer can do that. And number two, wisdom can do it too. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verses 1. It says, who is a wise man and who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? That's the spirit of understanding. He says, a man's wisdom maketh his face to what? Uh-huh. And the boldness of his face shall be what? Changed. There's an illumination that comes on the man who has the wisdom of God. The physics man would call it vibrations and frequencies. That's what the world interprets. For us, we call it presence. You understand what I'm saying? Presence. There's a presence that comes with any man who carries wisdom. Whether you've spoken it yet or not. Put wisdom in your spirit. You'll be amazed at how the spirit realm responds to you and the physical world. Somebody shout Hallelujah. In Daniel chapter 12, verses 3, Amplified Version, the same emphasis. But here he brings out one more thing besides wisdom. He says, and the teachers and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. That means that there is an illumination that comes with a man who is wise or a man who teaches wisdom. Wherever you are, praise the Lord. But next, they bring us another conversation here. He says, and those who turn many to righteousness to uprightness and right stand with God. The Bible says, shall give forth light. Bible says, like the stars forever. What does that mean? As another place of illumination. That illuminates too. To be a giver of life to them which are perishing. To turn men to righteousness. And that is why that kind of conversation is in the realm of wisdom. It's a wisdom to win souls. It's a wisdom to turn men to righteousness. In Proverbs 11 verses 30, if you read the Amplified Version, he says the fruit of the righteous, he did not say the seed of, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who is wise, the Bible says, captures, read, human lives for God as a fisher of man, he gathers and receives them for eternity. Oh, it's not just about coming to church and enjoying the meal God gives you. No. How many people do you reach out every week to say, let's go to church. Listen to this sermon. Read this devotion. 
God says that something starts to happen to you because it's wisdom. Wise men win souls. If you find a believer, a person who has not wisdom at all in his head to say, you know, let me reach out to people to get saved. There's a wisdom in you that is not yet formed. And you need to really pray for yourself hard because it's important to understand the wisdom of God behind winning souls. He says, besides your prayer, besides the wisdom you'll ever function with in this world, add turning men to righteousness. And it can come two ways. Only three ways. One, every time you create a life of conversations in the world. There are believers who have been 10, 15 years in the gospel, three, four, five years, and they don't even know one portion of scripture of head. You're there, but if I put a torch in you and say, tell me only five portions of scriptures, quoting them from where they are written, and say them. For God so loved the world. John what? 3.16. And there's one who didn't even know it. But they're what? They're born again. Every time you learn something, look for somebody you will share it with. You're illuminating yourself. You're illuminating yourself because you're giving to the gospel. Two, look for the fallen brothers. If you sat around somebody for weeks and you don't see them, look for them. Take them for tea. What happened? Try to restore them. The problem with some people, when they go to restore, I tell you, they're the ones who are <laughs> taken. Because you don't know the spirit took them. But it's important. If I don't see this brother, reach out. Pray for the guy. Because the Bible says, when you recover a fallen brother, you have restored their lives. You've given them life. You've given them life. Because they might be destroyed out there. But go out and say, you know, Convert this fellow. Restore this guy. Pray for him. Tell him, no, that's not how you quit. This is not what you do. You don't quit praying like this. Da, 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 da. I'm picking you. I'm coming for you. You know, you put your money there and then you see this person is restored. And some of you, you as a product of somebody's time, you had gone and then somebody came and started reaching out, calling you, sticking on you. Say, Let me just go. I don't want to embarrass them or embarrass them. And then what happened? You what? You started coming to church. Again. And now some of you regret and say, eh, I had gone. It's one thing too. And lastly, winning souls. Winning souls. I tell people, start this as an experiment. Tell yourself, Lord, every month I want to get you one soul. And just say, for four weeks, of all the priorities I have, let me make sure but I win God one soul. What if you don't win it? It's okay. At least let it go to heaven that you talked to one person, two people, three, four, five people and just put a target on yourself that Lord, like I tithe every month, I will be getting a soul for you. Some of you, you might not be able to preach, but you can convince someone and say, let's go to church. These boys who call you, who are you? Who are you? You want to see me? Meet me at what? Funeral. He's the one looking for you. Hey. Use your beauty as an opportunity to win souls. Yeah, he's the one looking for you. You tell him you can only find me on a Thursday and it's Fanero. Let him come and sit there. I know guys who came for girls and they got born again. I know them, they're here. <laughs> 
a guy came and then that day God just smites the guy's heart and he says but surely look what were you looking for then you make an altar call and the man comes singing I surrender all you understand <laughs> be a winner of souls every month get a soul for the lord if you can't at least have a record of failed attempts heaven knows that you're doing your best but how can you fail when the light of the gospel is on you how can you fail when the harvest is plenteous the laborers are the few carry somebody on sunday some of you some people are going to become we used to call them back in the day we used to call them project unchurched yeah you stick on someone until they receive christ you walk with them until they then you say aha uh-huh, god that's my reward give something to the gospel i tell people in this church give me a soul even if you don't give me money just bring a soul to christ bring a soul to christ that's the most important thing because that's the heart of the father and some of you you don't care about anybody or anything in this world it's you your wife and children ah some of you are even married but it's you are you following what i'm saying invest time in people give them your heart and see i gave a testimony of a young man i picked the boy in the streets he was selling a maize parent father mother dead lives with the grandmother no fees the boy was smelling that what we cleaned him we brought him in our circles in basketball pastor zak pastor we played with the boy taught him to love people he was a very shy boy he started breaking through we took him to school we closed him the boy was muslim he became born again and many like that many like that we preached to kids in wandegar and got them to christ there's even another one we won recently on uh, those lights of uh, golf course we're also working on this boy Muslim kid doing drugs and many things now we're bringing him to the saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ but some of you you can't even sit next to the person you're seated next to because maybe they don't look like you want maybe they don't smell like you want and Jesus loves them too is in them too and i always tell people i think for me the most severing thing was you could have been them you could have been them but the fact that god advantaged you shouldn't you be more tolerant to people my goodness we've gone to hospitals and the stench there you can't stand but then mm, because jesus wants you there the great commission you understand what i'm saying that's what paul says when he speaks in first corinthians chapter 9 verses 19 he says though i be free from all men yet have i made myself a servant unto all that i might gain more It's a very strong statement because there are many people ministers born again people and unborn again alike who are bound to certain men they're performing on other men's thermostats and as a truth it's happening every day if you read in the earlier verses Paul is telling you that what is my reward then that after I've preached the gospel I may make the gospel of Christ of no charge lest I lose my power which is in the gospel Now that power is different from the power that makes a lame man walk. That power is different from the power that opens a blind eye or cleanses a leper. That's not the power I'm talking about. There's a deeper power. It comes in the grace of authority. You command certain things 
when you know or understand the wisdom to keep that power. That's the power Paul is saying that I will preach the gospel and make it without charge that I abuse not my power in the gospel. One time, I made a very deliberate concern on some of our upcoming young ministers, especially music artists, gospel. And they have started to live beyond the life of a minister. Because if you are a gospel artist, you are primarily a minister. You see what I'm saying? And then I shared and I said, look, for example, this is for Fanero. In Fanero, I don't bring a minister here. Whether artists, those boys who come from out to sing, I must give them something. We pay. We give them money. Some even refuse. We fight with them to receive because they don't serve for money. They have grown. They've matured. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm trying to tell this artist, if you're saying that without a million shillings, you're not going to seek, what's the difference between you and the man who sells water and rice that without buying it, he won't pray for you? Tell me the difference. Aren't you all transacting with what was given freely? And then they say, oh no, we don't believe in those people who sell water and rice. And they're right. Because you cannot transact the gift of God that was freely given you. But you're doing the same too. And the guy says, oh no, I put millions in my video. And I'm telling him, what do you mean your video? Where is it, by the way? Do you understand what I'm saying? What about the pastors who are giving? Do you know how much some of us give in the kingdom? We're trying to help a young man know the right way to go. And there's another younger one diverting them who doesn't even know two steps in the spirit. He can't even... Do you understand what I'm saying? It's so painful to see. And then you see this young kid with two songs. And he says, me, if you don't give me a million, I'm not stepping on that altar. Listen, even as we can sing. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> you understand? But we're trying to show you an excellent way. God is not limited to your gift. You don't reap where you sow. You reap what you sow. Do you understand? God is not limited because I know also some pastors are, eh, 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 they're also thieves. They cheat these kids, you understand? He can't even think, let me get this kid transport, which is also wrong. Well, let me pay this a little money. We have this, let's help. No, some of these pastors also what? Take us. Leave them, God will deal with them. But don't be subject to another man's hand of provision. That's what Paul is trying to say. Be free from them. I tell people even when I travel out, Sometimes I leave their honorariums on the altar. If they send it, good. If they don't send it, I'll never call them telling, why didn't you send me money? No, because I'm not bound to any man. I'm free. I'm free. I might as well buy my tickets, pay my hotel bills, and preach and return back, knowing that I don't need you to pay my hotel bill to preach the gospel. With no charge. Why? Because God has another way of what? Providing for you. But then you have young people, even pastors. There are pastors, if you don't pay a certain amount, I mean, I've dealt with guys from America. You write a guy and tell him, look, I have this meeting, come and preach and bless the young people. And the guy says, you know, I need uh, $30,000 and then you're going to pay for my first class actually and then my assistant and then... And he's writing all these lists of things that if I don't fulfill, that's why I don't bring them let them not come and see whether men gather won't happen at a women's conference. 
Does that mean we don't honor? We do. We have given preachers more money than they even needed or asked. Says that I try to show this minister it's not about what? Money. In fact, one of them, I wrote to them and I said, oh, they need this amount. I told them, no. I actually want to give you more. And I gave them more. Said that it's not about how much price they were putting to the gospel. I was trying to educate this person to tell them the gospel should not be sold. It shouldn't. Otherwise, now people are perishing every day because some of us are keeping our gifts in cupboards. For what? Jesus is about to return. Don't you know? And then you tell me that you did not go out to reach out to a dying person because they did not pay you money. Oh, that's why some of them, I go down on my knees and I say, Father, if they cannot change, get this gift and put it on a child who understands. That is why some of our music artists, their brooks have dried so early. They sing a song today and in two weeks nobody remembers it. And then they go selling CDs and flashes. No. So it is with the ministers also. We are not supposed to sell the gospel. But that I mean that we shouldn't give. No, me I give because I believe in the principle of honor to whom honor is due. So nobody sits on that road and I don't pay them. And I tell pastors, if you can, please help these young men because they are building a what? A dream. Provide for them. But if they don't give you, you're free from them. You're free from them. Some of you, I mean, we were raised in local church, so we understand. Some of us were raised from churches where a young man would say, I'm not going to play the piano. Why? First, give me 20,000. One time I was in One Nation, West Africa, ministering. They had to look for a young man to plead with. They pleaded with him to play piano. In the church I was preaching, he refused. They paid him money. And the Chimad boy came and played the piano. And as I was preaching, man, God is gracious. I get a word of knowledge. That the boy has had a very bad back. He's gone to doctors. I turned to the boy and laid hands on the boy. And God healed the boy. I think that's why some of us are not God. <laughs> some is on fire. But in my head, I'm thinking, if they had not paid this boy, who was going to carry a back issue for years, and he had been paying money to doctors, to get this back healed and they couldn't. The boy healed immediately. Actually healed him under his shadow. I remember I just told him, come and pass on my shadow. That day healed like seven people under my shadow. Everyone who passed was healed. You understand? And the boy took his miracle. Are you following what I'm saying? This is what Paul is trying to say. Oh, Paul is saying, I am not a servant. I'm not bound to any man's provision or any man's grace or any man's way. If they fail, I still have God. I am free from all. But in spite of it all, he says, I have made myself a servant unto all that I may gain some. And then he says, unto the Jews, I became a what? A Jew. That I may gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law. That I may gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without the law. Being not without law to God, but under the law of Christ. Or law to Christ. That I may gain them that are without the law. Now, there's a disclaimer there as well. Some of you say, uh-huh. Now I become all things to what? Save some. But here he said to them that are without law, he says, as one without the law, but not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. Because some of you say, uh -huh. Pastor said, there's some people in the 14 million. He says, Pastor said, we become all things to what? Save sir. So a guy orders for beer. Then you say, give me one thing. Look, why? Pastor told us to become all things 
that we might save some. Gwe. I'm saying, keep your boundaries as well. Become one with them, but don't compromise outside the liberties of truth into sin because you want to become. Eh? You know, some people think this is what the scripture means. No, that's not what it means. And he says, to the weak became I as weak, that I may gain the weak. I made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Verses 23, underline it in italics and bold. And this I do for the gospel's sake. That's what we're saying. You must do certain things for the gospel. Preach. Share. You don't need to demystify mysteries like you know, this pastor or that pastor, but in your own way, how do you understand God and how do you extend your understanding to those that you know? It's very simple. And as you continue growing, God will start to give you more light to, for the sake of the gospel, what that sentence means. As you continue growing, you'll understand the things you do and then you'll start to become more uncompromisingly affixed to divine purpose. You'll find yourself marrying for the gospel, having children for the sake of the gospel, working hard at your workplace for the sake of the gospel, forgiving those that wrong you for the sake of the gospel, reconciling with the irreconcilable for the sake of the gospel. Now that's next level, that's maturity. Choosing to say, no, I could actually do this to this brother, but I'm not going to do it for the sake of the what? The gospel. Your wife will annoy you and you might want to hear and then you hear the sentence for the sake of the gospel. And then you pretend as if you are what? You are pocketing. Some of you will want to say, no, I'm not going to give this guy food. And then you'll find yourself bringing the plate even with whatever he has done to you for the sake of the gospel. And then somebody says something about you. And you know that you could say three sentences or write for five minutes and bury them. And then you select them be for the sake of the what? Of the gospel. I'm not going to answer this tweet for the sake of the gospel. I'm not going to respond to this video for the sake of the gospel. I'm not going to answer this newspaper for the sake of the gospel. If you'll abuse me, I will not answer you for the sake of the gospel. Why? Because, and I give people an example. If you attack a man of God, a fellow minister, just give me an example. Okay, like for some of us who didn't call ourselves. Hmm? And that we didn't call ourselves. I never wanted to preach. It was never my forte. It wasn't, I never admired any preaching in my life. I never. Even when I was born again, I preferred to be in the church serving at most seeing if there was an opportunity, but I never wanted the crowds. Some of us never asked for it. The man came for us and said, come and what? Serve me. Some of us, when you didn't call yourself, you have little concern about those who attack you. Very little. You understand what I'm saying? Because in many ways, God has revealed himself to you and your mandate on the earth and you can understand the integrity and weight of it and you could choose. You will choose eventually to be on the side of what love requires. So that's where we are. They mean you're stupid. No. You answer. Answer what? Exodus 14, 14. You gave me a condition that the only way I can fight for you is if you learn to keep quiet. Read it. One, two, three, let's go. And 
You shall also give your side. You shall also give your side of the story. People are confused. It's still and take away that. You understand what I'm saying? My fear and pain is the innocent children who are going to be deluded and misinformed from the way of life because somebody with envy or jealousy or competition does not care who he should bury or she should bury. For the sake of the gospel, keep quiet. Keep quiet. Why? Because if somebody is turned back, you are accountable to God. And I've been mature long enough to understand because I've grown in the gospel. I've grown long enough to understand that not everything we hear is so. You understand what I'm saying? But the point is not about the Lord's servants. No, he will keep. They're his servants. He knows what's true and he can separate true and false. Vindications from the spirit are beautiful and you will see them as you grow. Some people need to learn as they observe us. But the point is, my pain is that innocent little kid who does not yet know the difference between day and night. To be stumbled by these wars you find with our fathers fighting each other. And somebody says, one time I was dealing with a lady who said, ah, ah, me, I can't manage you and the costos. Let me go back to my Anglican church. I was broken. I was broken. Why? Because some people don't care how many bleed as long as I've shot you and how they see life. For the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the gospel. Some of you these small little characters, small little things. Learn to come early for service for the sake of the gospel. You're not late for flights. If you had an interview tomorrow and they say come at seven, you'd be there at six because the poverty on you is smelling. You understand? Can you come one hour after the service has begun? You understand? Those are small things you have to take out of your life. Give the word of God priority. Give the word of God a certain respect. The minister of God should never get on the altar before you come. That's wrong. Like you cannot come late for an interview that was slated at seven, yet you're going to serve men. Like you cannot go to the airport at midday for a flight that was taking place at 11. How much more the kingdom? You see? Some of you might restrain yourselves for the sake of the gospel. There's a lot you can do to this person and you say, no, let me hold it for the sake of the gospel. Let me forgive this woman for the sake of the gospel. Let me not expose her for the sake of the gospel. That the gospel be not blamed. Protect the gospel. May I tell people, recently a certain man of God was arrested and he made news. They took him to prison for a lot of money. A lot of money. I was out of the country. I returned and they told me the man was in prison. You know what I did? I went straight to the man. I said, how much do I owe you? There was a lot of money. I paid it. I got the man out of prison. And so, some men of God came to me and told me, no, 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 no. You leave him. God is dealing with him. I told him, no, 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 no. no. God has another way to deal with him. First, protect the gospel. We are God's representatives on the earth. Let's get this man and restore him. Or at least, if he takes himself back, let the hand of God be evident that we try to get him out. But people were clapping. People were celebrating. And I was telling them, no, the kingdom of God is losing. 
This man is a father in a church. He's a minister. He's a husband to a certain woman. Get him out. Bring him back to his children. And then later what? For that one who God wants to stay there, he will keep him there. There are those ones who God will want to keep there. But there are those ones you will say no. Let's fight for the gospel first. Let's get our people out of trouble. After getting them out of trouble and they're here, then let's deal with them. Yes, if I hear in trouble, I'll go out and fight for you. Then I'll bring you in the church and then we'll fight our wars. I always tell people that fathering comes that way, that I will fight with you because I'm fighting for you. So some of you are too immature to understand it. When I turn, you say, but this man, he's doing this to us. Papa, why is he hard on me? No, I'm actually fighting for you. But sometimes I have to fight you because I see that you're fighting yourself. I'm trying to save you from you. Do you understand? I'm trying to what? To save you from what? From you. And then I find myself as a spiritual father fighting with you. No, I'm not fighting against you. I'm actually contending for your soul. But the maturity to know and understand that sometimes, even as parents, when you're punishing your child, you're not beating them because you don't love them. No. You're trying to get this kid to tell him, Gwe, if I don't shape you up, eh, tomorrow you're going to what? Mess your life up. You understand what I'm saying? That is why some of us who are raised by God-fearing parents, you get to a point where every beating came with an instruction. I tell now this generation is even deeper. I have a relative, she first reads the scriptures. Read. So what am I punishing you for? Okay, down. I'm sorry, mommy. No, no, no. Down. Mommy, I'm sorry. I'm also sorry. Down. Hara, hara, hara. And then she becomes a good child tomorrow. Spare the rod. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to protect the gospel. When you hear somebody talk about the Christian brother, the first thing you do, ask them. Ask them how much have you prayed? No, 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 don't talk about this sister. She has her journey. Pray for her. Let's pray for her. Restoration first. Protect them. Then after that, when they are done, you try to restore them. Oh, pray for them and give them another chance to life. Because some of you, you did things only God knows and the people you did them with. If God had just turned his wrath on you, you'd not even have hair. But look at you. You even do like this. Only but by the grace of God. So extend the same love to another individual for the sake of the gospel. Some of you have road rage. When you're driving, and then you remember, oh, for the sake of the gospel. One time I was driving and I drove so unrighteously. No, it was those years where I was still also a working there God has dealt with me, I'm free. But now I'm telling you my issues. So one of those days I drove in a very, very eh. And then I overtook this person. We started squeezing each other. Let's go, let's go. And then I remember I overtook this person. And after playing all this crazy thing, I remember there was a funeral sticker. <laughs> oh my goodness! I said, ha, now Rebecca, speed. Speed. Because this person might see you. <laughs> Pray for me. I'm also a work in progress. But I'm getting there. From that day, I promised myself that I will drive like a born-again Christian. 
we had just begun Fanero during that time. And uh, eh, so sometimes I drive and I say, but why don't I let this person pass for the sake of the gospel? I learned to slow down. Sometimes I even fear how I drive. I say what? I'm so born again. Now, I let people pass. Brother, brother scratches you and you tell him, but do you know Jesus? <laughs> no, 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 no. I know you're not. I know. I do know Jesus. For the sake of the what? All right. Let's raise our voices and thank God for the message today. Let's raise our voice and speak to God. Holy Spirit, we thank Him. I think there is a repentance on our side, individually, on a serious note, to ask God to help us because many of us have forgotten the Great Commission. We've forgotten what God called us to be and do. And as we pray for ourselves, we pray generally for the church. God help us. Because we see the work, great, great things are ahead and a lot of work needs to be done. But make us, make us, help us, mold us as vessels, lead us, empower us to be winners of souls, to contend for men, to fight for our own, to believe you for their transformation. Just raise your voice and talk to God personally. Like Jude says, that strive to save others. That's Jude one twenty three. He says, strive to save others, snatching them out of the fire. On others, take pity with fear. Strive to save others. Strive to save others. And save men from hell. If you're there and you've been listening to this someone and you say, Apostle Grace, as you are speaking today, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Today, I want to receive him as my Lord and Savior. Repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory. Today, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Amen. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our week fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.